Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. Where are you right now, and what do your surroundings look like? I'm in the woods just south of Portland, Oregon. Uh, A few years ago, my wife and I uh, were buying a house, and we couldn't afford anything in the city, so we kept moving further out until we found this place um, that's really in the middle of nowhere, just in that no-man's land between where sort of progressive Portland ends and Trump country begins. So it's sort of vineyard mansion, vineyard mansion, our dinky little place bringing everybody's property values down and then vineyard mansion, vineyard mansion. For now, it's a very sort of idyllic scene to be uh, to be quarantined in. What's the most abnormal thing you did today or recently? I think the weirdest thing is just trying to pretend like these very poor facsimiles of life are life like these zoom meetings are are you know equivalent to actually being near somebody this weird pantomime that i have to engage in every now and then even this uh you know i'm used to interviews but there's something about this notion of like oh it's just as good as the real thing and it's like no no it's not not in the slightest so that that is that is a strangeness for me What's been your most selfish deed or thought during this whole pandemic period? So my wife and I um, live out in Portland and we have no family here. We have no uh, real sort of structure, support structure of any kind. We moved out here when she got a job at the university in Portland. And we have a three-year-old daughter who has a respiratory condition. And so our version of lockdown, I strongly suspect, has been... um, 
much more stringent than most people's. And I am cognizant of, of the fact that my willpower, which of course directly correlates to my capacity for being a decent human being, is draining as, at a much faster rate than I think I would like it to. And so I am sort of riding this wave of, of sort of adopted decency um, that I'm pretty well cognizant of not having in of myself. I think I would be a much more selfish human being. But I mean, as a result, I actually have a pretty clean record. You know, I've gone to a drive through once, I think. I went to pick up medicine. I have not been around other people since before official lockdown started. We, we saw the writing on the wall before it became kind of official. And I haven't broken that in any way. But it's not because I'm a particularly good human being. It's because the consequences, I think, would be greater in my particular personal situation. So that's a kind of selfishness that you can dress up as being um, the opposite of that, I guess. Name something that gave you pleasure today. <laughs> something that gave me pleasure today. A while back, the Museum of Pop Culture in Seattle, which is a real thing that exists, uh, emailed me saying, hey, um, every few weeks we do a group viewing of a movie and uh, we pick some experts to, to do a discussion afterwards. And um, tonight, actually, this is a few hours after we record this interview is when they're doing their next viewing that they asked me to be a part of. And it is Dune, the 1985, I want to say, ridiculous, just wild ride of a movie. And they said, you know, we read American War, we read your novel, and, and we wondered if, if Dune had meant anything to you and whether you would want to be a part of this. And I said, you know what? I would love to do this. Dune is such an important novel. Thanks for asking me. Let's do it. Thing is, I've never read Dune or seen the movie Dune or really know anything about Dune. I was just so desperate for human contact that I immediately agreed to be part of this virtual viewing and discussion. So what has given me pleasure in the last few days, including right now and immediately after I hang up with you and for the next three hours as I desperately flip through Dune, is reading this book that I lied about not only having read, but having meant a great deal to me so that I could have some excuse to be around other human beings. So that's given me quite a bit of pleasure. And I know the Museum of Pop Culture will never ask me to do anything again. But nonetheless, that has been quite enjoyable to lie about having read Dune and then very quickly try to read Dune. I wanted to ask you about American War, um, which, of course, is set in 2074, in a very dystopian, but not so distant or particularly unrecognizable future. Um, in that book... Well, I was wondering if if somebody had some higher power had put you in charge of writing 2020, yeah. how would you have written the pandemic differently? Would you have wanted to write it differently than it is unfolding? I think one of the strange things about this moment, well, there, there are a number of strange things about this moment, one of which is being in America, in the United States for it, which I think is a particularly unique situation. I mean, we often talk about this idea of a lot of things that happen in America are not 
you know, places like Canada are not immune to the kind of racism that happens here, the kind of cruelty that happens here. But in this particular situation, what is happening in America is just so bizarrely ugly that it's very difficult to see it outside of that lens. I mean, one of my defense mechanisms, one of my personal defense mechanisms after Trump got elected was this notion that maybe his incompetence would offset his cruelty. And here, this pandemic is, is a situation where instead of cruelty and stupidity being offsetting forces, they're actually reinforcing forces. And that's been a very difficult thing to watch because you can measure it in human lives. And so one of the surreal things that has happened since American War has come out is this book that I never intended to be a kind of attempt at prophecy has been taken as exactly that. But it's not what I intended to do at all. I never thought this is how a second American Civil War would go down or even that there would be such a thing. And it's been really difficult to, to, to watch the way fiction and the way the crafting of fiction has to change because the job of fiction is to intrude on reality. And instead, we live in this situation where reality is intruding on the fictional. None of the stuff that's happening right now, if I'd written it in a, in, a, in a work of fiction a few years ago, would have been fit for publishing. No publisher would have accepted it. They would have told me to stop being so cartoonish. And so when I think about this idea of trying to write this particular moment, I think about our self-defense mechanisms being taken away from us. Uh, fiction, literature is a means of, of bracing yourself against the messiness of being human. And right now, the messiness is too messy. And I, I, I genuinely don't know what to do about that. I genuinely don't know how fiction needs to change as a form to capture the things we've allowed ourselves to become and the things we've allowed ourselves to do to one another. I live in a country where I think it was the lieutenant governor of Texas or something like that was being interviewed about opening up too soon, about opening up the economy too soon. And he said something to the effect of, well, there are more important things than living. Which again is a line that if I had one of my characters say in a novel, would never make it to line edits. You know, some editor would say, come on, what, you know, you're going to have this guy twirling a mustache and like tying a damsel to the train tracks as well. Like it's, it's cartoonishly evil. That is a difficult thing, I think, for writers or for any artist or creator to try and tackle in a way that doesn't succumb to the, to the cartoonish evil of the situation. Um, which is my very roundabout way of saying, I don't know. I don't know how I would write this out. What's something that you think might never be the same after this? I spent the first few years of my journalism career. Um, I was at the Globe and Mail for 10 years, and, and a few days after I was hired on full-time, uh, the Toronto 18 arrests happened, that giant terrorism mm. arrest. And so I spent the next two years of my life essentially covering radicalization and how somebody becomes radicalized. And this is an entirely different context. And it's a very bad time for, for anyone to be making predictions. And certainly almost all my predictions, including the 2016 election, have been wrong. So please take this with a pound of salt. Um, but I have a hard time believing that the generations that have to come of age in this moment and, and the immediate aftermath won't be far more radicalized than the previous ones. There is this kind of notion that the ordering system we live under 
is essentially capitalism. But I don't think that's quite right. I think the ordering system we live under is hyper-capitalism. And that is a vector that, regardless of the situation, is always pointed away from the communal good and towards the individual good. And that's why it's particularly bad at dealing with something like a pandemic, which requires a vector in the exact opposite direction. And I think that if you came of age even a few years ago, um, you were in a situation where you were surrounded with conveniences that, that masked that fundamental dichotomy. And right now, those conveniences have been stripped away. And all you're left with is a society that is ordered away from the communal good and towards the individual good. And when you see that for what it is, I think that there are going to be generations that are just far more radically opposed to it than they otherwise would be. Um, you know, with climate change, I think there's going to be generations that are really, really angry at us in the future. The, the sort of burn it all down aspect of it is going to be much greater in magnitude. But again, I've been wrong across the board on my predictions since early 2015. So who knows? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 